0: I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with
1: fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore.
0: All right, welcome everybody to Lit and Libation. Hi again, Sadie. I say that because we had already recorded, you guys. And then I don't know what the hell I did, but my recording disappeared. So luckily we love each other and we love talking about literature so much that we can do this again. So (laughs) hopefully we don't start like referencing an earlier conversation where it won't make sense. So I will try and be aware of that. But Uh, We're also recording in the morning. We usually record in the evening. So I'm going to use that as an excuse because I am just exhausted. It's been a long weekend, I think, for both of us. Mm. So that's that's my excuse. We're all human. We we fuck up. It happens. So uh, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with that, uh, we decided we're just going to kind of do one intro question Uh, today instead of our normal three. So Sadie, would you like to um, introduce our question?
1: Yes. So the question for today's episode is how do you pick your next read or the next book?
0: Um, So for my personal reading, not uh, podcast related, I kind of just kind of have a running list of uh, different recommendations, either from people or from different like reading blogs I follow or you know what books are shortlisted or have won awards Mm -hmm. I mean I've got my favorite authors right or ones that I know so if there's a new book that they're releasing I'm aware of that so I kind of just keep a list and I always try and do um, a fiction and a nonfiction at the same time um, yeah just to kind of keep my horizons broad Uh, and then like podcast related I think we've been really good at least I think both of us, when it's our turn, are trying to find something that's a little different, whether it's genre or author or culture or just making sure we're getting a nice um, variety for everybody and for ourselves. Because I don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over. It's definitely great conversation wise. So that's kind of my my um, process.
1: What about you? Nice. Yeah, same. Um I think I try pretty consciously to switch up my genres a lot so that I'm kind of like well-rounded in each area um, as well as someone can be. Um, it's pretty difficult for me to pick my next book, though. I don't know. I just I have a hard time picking. There's so many books that I want to read. I know. That not enough time. Not enough time. Yeah. Um, but I will say I've read so much this year and a lot of a lot of that is due to the fact that we're doing this podcast. And then yeah. because I still want to read books, other books mm-hmm. um, on my own, I think it's, it's really ramped up how much I read in a month. It's been awesome.
0: Yeah, me too. It's nice to sp- do more time with that and less time with some other things that maybe aren't as productive um, for myself, you know, when it comes to yeah. whether it's technology or you know, just doing things that maybe aren't as good for me. This is good for me. So yeah, it's been great. Mm -hmm. And with that, so our next book you guys is, um, so this episode is about Nightwood, uh, by Juna Barnes. And then our next two episodes will be on books one and then two of Persepolis, which is a graphic novel by Marjane uh, Satrapi. And it's about her growing up um in Iran during the um and she she lives in Tehran and it's during the Iranian Revolution um and I read the first book uh quite a few years ago or I think right when it first came out and I haven't read the second one so I'm excited though this is another new this is a switch up for us this is our first graphic novel and I think graphic yeah. novels are great they're really good to I think introduce people to literature who maybe um don't normally go that route. You know, I think there's some really mm-hmm. great graphic novels out there and they're getting more and more recognition, I think. And like my son, he's reading graphic novels right now called Dog Man, who this so is the same funny. guy who does Captain Underpants, which not necessarily my jam, but I love it. <laughs> he's reading and, and they actually there's some of the novels are based off of like classics like Tale of Two Cities and mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think that's awesome and whatever gets people to read especially kids I'm all for so I think there's a lot of greatness that comes from comic books and graphic novels and just finding other Mm -hmm. forms of literature other than your you know standard Um, and it's a great way to get into your classics that they all have value so there's no no judgment on any of it for sure I think everyone will really like Persepolis and it's definitely a change of pace for us so I'm excited about that too me too um, and even really though it's good. morning, even though it's morning, we <laughs> did have a libation and I went, we took a little break and went and got a second libation because, uh, yeah, needed that after I completely deleted the Oh recording. my
1: gosh, you need to be easier on yourself. You didn't even need to bring this up at this recording, you know, nobody would have known any better. It's I know,
0: okay. I know. <laughs> I'm learning, Sadie. It, well, so what, what are,
1: did you make yourself another libation? I sure no, did. No, I still... <laughs> Oh, used some to of my previous one. So <laughs> I'm having a vodka and white wine spritzer with a sprig of rosemary. And it's really good. It's really light and refreshing. Very like it's a very much a brunch kind of cocktail, which is appropriate for the hour that we are recording.
0: Yeah, I love a brunch cocktail. I'm drinking a mimosa of sorts. So I just have some champagne and um, fresh mango juice and it's delicious. a little bit more mango juice than champagne because it is only 1030 here and I've got a whole day (laughs) and then we'll be taking the red eye out tonight out to (laughs) Boston. So we'll get to hopefully see Sadie again in person. We're seeing a lot of each other lately.
1: I know. It's been awesome. We're lucky.
0: Yeah, we are so excited. Kendrick and I are going to see Billy Joel play at Fenway Park on Wednesday. So I hope that makes all of you jealous because you should be because it's going to be awesome. It is going to be I, awesome. I'm so excited to be seeing live music again. And Billy Joel mm-hmm. is, you know, just quintessential. So and at Fenway Park and just it's going to be I a can't lot of wait. fun. Yeah. So excited. Um, Yeah. Really, really happy about that. And I will have uh, some great books to read on the plane. I need to figure out what my personal reading is because I just finished my last book. But um, OK, so gee. <laughs> I don't know if we should say, can you summarize Nightwood or maybe a a good way to say it is how would you tell someone about it? Right. Because we don't often give a summary, right? Like I don't give a summary to people about a book, but I talk about it. So how would you tell them about this book? I think that's a good way to introduce it.
1: Mm -hmm. I would say that this book is about um, a woman named Robin and... She struggles with, I think, various parts of her identity, whether that be her sexuality and also, I think, her ability to remain monogamous and kind of like the different poles that she has of wanting to be in a secure relationship, but also not really being able to remain committed to one person. Um, and then also just kind of like the destruction that lies in her wake and the people that it affects and... Um, it's definitely a weird book. There's not really a plot to it. It's a lot of conversation and long monologues. Most of them done by who we have decided would be the the other main character of the book, which is um, a doctor who is a gynecologist. His name's oh, is it Matthew?
0: Matthew O'Connor. Yeah, Matthew he's like O'Connor. an Irish. Well, and he's he's not really licensed, right? Like he's a gynecologist yeah. from California, but he's not quite licensed and. Yeah, I would say he and Robin are, are the two main characters. And they're interesting because the doctor presents as male, but kind of mm-hmm. has this deep yearning to be female. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, another character, Nora, actually um, comes to see him and he's he's cross-dressing. But uh, the way it's talked about, he's not really cross-dressing. His cross-dressing is almost when he is presented in his masculine clothes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and he so he presents his male but yearns to be a woman. He has this great line about like his deepest desires to continue to make like potatoes for mm-hmm. a husband and produce a child every nine months. Like
1: mm-hmm. very which domestic.
0: Is, yeah. And I, I don't know the Irish and the potato. Like It's just such an yeah. interesting <laughs> way to describe it. It's just really funny. And yeah. And so I think he and Robin are kind of interesting sides of the coin you know and she's Mm -hmm. female but it definitely has some more like presents as more masculine in some ways and I think kind of Mm -hmm. how she's presented with when it comes to monogamy and relationships and I think how we look at women is not necessarily how she presents herself and so um, they're great characters to have other characters revolve around because yeah but you're right it's not really a necessarily linear plot point but it's it's a really great, you kind of just have to immerse yourself in it and in the language. And there's so many great mm-hmm. um, conversations, which aren't your typical dialogue. They're kind of more monologue. Like, I really do feel like what it is, is if you just put people who are open to exploration and are trying to find themselves and you gave them psychedelics and you put them in a room and you they just talked. And that's kind of what this book is yeah. to me, which I think is great it's just a great way to have thoughts come out there and just let it wash over yourself. And I think this book's a great way to really expand your horizons when it comes to how do I feel? How do I think about things? How do we talk about things? How can one describe something? Um, yeah, I think that's the best way you can describe this book.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And again, it is, it's very weird. Like, especially the ending, I think, um, is very strange. Um, it ends with our main character, Robin, being found in a church by Nora, who is the woman that she had cheated on. And, you know, their relationship had kind of dissolved. Um, and then she starts behaving like a dog until she and another actual dog collapse with exhaustion. And that's just kind of the end of the book. It's just it's very bizarre. It's um, I think a really great read, though.
0: Yeah, but you just I, you
1: can't expect it to be like another book where you you can say what happened, really. Yeah. And I think there's some really
0: great there's some really great anchors in the novel. You know, there's mm-hmm. the, with the themes, the themes are so I mean, they're not hit you over the head, obvious, but they're just so prevalent, you know, present in the book. This, um, you know, night is one of them, this idea of mm-hmm. who we are at night versus who we are during the day. Um, you know, the doctor talks about that a lot. Um, it's set in like 1920s, 1930s Paris, which which was I think that time period is represented a lot in movies and literature and it's kind of you know it was the heyday a little bit in Paris. you had Hemingway went there and Fitzgerald and James Joyce and there was this kind of glitterati of art and literature mm-hmm. and um, and but then underneath that there was also this different world with it was a little darker it was the night world, you know with
1: outcasts
0: and and social deviance and people going out to bars and clubs to be around other people like them you know when they couldn't necessarily be who they wanted to be during the day and and that's where we meet a lot of these characters and with that, it's at night, but then there's also this idea of the circus, right? So kind of our first main character is this man named Felix, and he meets people who are part of the circus, and that's kind of how they all find each other and are connected, and I think that's a really cool um, uh, setting, or I guess that's, I don't know how else to describe it, because it's that idea of you know, pretend and trickery, Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. underneath that is, is reality, is who they really are. They kind of can get away with being who they really are by making it that they're acting, if that makes sense.
1: Right. Like they can get away with it because it's behind this like spectacle that people but, but, think yeah. is a facade, but it's not. Really. And they're
0: the ones who are being real. And then you have Felix who kind of has been living this life of pretend aristocracy. You know, he's, he's this orphan but yeah. and his parents, basically his father, especially kind of, pretended to be like a baron and collected artifacts that were real but right. didn't really belong to him and kind of created his own false identity of royalty false history yeah yeah and you've got felix who on the on the surface would seem like legitimate right like he dresses the part. He talks the right way. He knows how to interact with people. He's royalty so to speak. I mean he mm-hmm. he's called Baron but it's all really a facade. It's fake and then he interacts with these people who you know see more like they would be the ones that are putting on a show and they're real and they're all struggling mm-hmm. and and I think the idea of the aristocracy it's not a big part of the book but I, I think that's interesting because that's kind of what I think about when I think of aristocracy is it's really who's in power and who makes what choice and who do you marry? And it's all kind of just made up along Mm -hmm. the way, even though we give a lot of credence to it. Like it holds some weight, like, you know, it's, it's ordained. Yeah. Yeah, As if it matters, as if it's real, as if it's tangible, as if it's lasting when really it's not, but it's all about what weight we put on it.
1: Right. It's more of a circus than these people dressing up at an actual circus is, you know, there's more kind of pomp to it but it's all inflated and it's all driven I think kind of by ego and to be fair, you know, like I think Felix is a good person. I don't think he's like a bad character. He doesn't really ever do anything that's abhorrent. It's just Mm -mm. he, he just tries to uphold this like certain image and he kind of I think puts pressure on other characters, mostly Robin, uh, to fit into that narrative with him, and you know, with Robin, it just it doesn't work. First off, because she's um, gay, whether or not she's a lesbian or if she's just a bisexual, like we don't really know. But it's she doesn't fit within that mold of like a monogamous straight relationship, mm-hmm. and it becomes too much for her. And after they have a child, she never. She she struggles with being a mother and she eventually just leaves and um, kind of leaves, you know, that destruction in her wake, but in a way you can't blame her. She's just trying to be true to herself. So even though I think what's interesting about this book is just how, you know, yes, Robin like leaves destruction behind her in a lot of ways with these characters and the relationships that she's in. But she's not, I don't think she's a a malicious character. Yeah. Yeah. She's not malicious. She's not a villain. It's just more of like the circumstances that she's in and the society that she lives in. That is part of the problem. Yeah.
0: I mean, and I think it's, I think it makes the point, you know, Robin, I think doesn't want to cause harm. She wants security. She wants that kind of, um, steadfastedness But, like, Mm -hmm. uh, that isn't really afforded to people, I I think, both in the time period that this is written and that this is set, and even now, that security isn't really given to people who go against social norms. I mean, look how long we wouldn't allow, and still, like, it's this big, no, you can't get married if you're gay. So it's like, you can't even get that security that you're wanting by Mm -hmm. society, and then you're continued to be looked at as deviant or against the norm, but the norm isn't afforded to you. You know, it's like it's just this catch 22 that you're in. And I think the book does a really nice job of pointing that out, that really all these characters are trying to find who they are and find security and find love and be true to themselves, which is all we all want, really, I think, deep down, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it just makes the point that for a group of people, that's not afforded to them and mm-hmm. then they're persecuted for not finding it right and i, yeah, and I think and you know robin that's all she's yearning for and he it's it's i never once in the novel even though she really does cause a lot of destruction in the end of her relationships and then they all go to this dr cooper and and mm-hmm. basically like vent about it or, or are troubled by it i never look at her as a As a problem, you know, she's she's trying to tame herself as well. Other people are trying to tame her and she's trying to tame herself. But I think it's Mm -hmm. just how they go about it is different because, you know, you really can't. I I think we look to people in relationships, specifically romantic relationships to find ourselves, to Mm -hmm. make ourselves whole, to to feel better, to feel secure. And and one that doesn't work because then when it ends, then where are you? You know, Mm -hmm. and I think it makes that point, too. And and Robin continues to look for it. And I think some of her paramours that she leaves are still trying to get her to continue to find that security. And she knows that she's got to find it herself.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, some of those like relationships that she's in, they're not really real. Like, I think the only... I don't know. The the one that I put the most stock into anyway is like a serious and genuinely loving relationship is her relationship with Nora. Yeah. And, you know, Nora knows that she leaves at night and she goes out and she sees other women or other men and she like she lives this life and she she knows that she's doing it. She knows that she's not really like invited. She talks about. she leaves and she always gets the feeling that she doesn't want her to follow and Mm -hmm. she kind of goes with it and it isn't up until I think she catches her in the act with another woman named Jenny Jenny yeah and then they leave for America I mean in in a way like she's left behind it's not even really the cheating that she had an issue with exactly it's the fact that she left and that's kind of, like, really the only relationship with a ton of, I think, actual, like, love between them. Because Jenny, you know, um, is very antagonistic to Nora. I think we get a lot of Nora's perspective. Yeah. Jenny's very antagonistic, and she's very, um, she kind of, I think, represents, like, an inauth- inauthenticity of character. Yeah. She was the most
0: unlikable character for me. But then the more like I examine it, I think she's unlikable because I think she represents parts of us that we all kind of have or do to some point. Like, at least Mm -hmm. I know that I've certainly acted this way where, you know, Jenny just she she's kind of described as she's a thief. She actually steals like actual things like trinkets and whatever. She's been married for she's a four a widow four different times. You know, she lives Mm -hmm. in this lavish mansion and it's all full of things that she's stolen from other people because they're interesting or, or beautiful. And she thinks that if she has them, that will make her beautiful and interesting. And um, she wants to be interesting and she's getting older and, and like um, she sees Robin and learns about how much Nora loves her. And so it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. well that, you know, I'm going to take that. That's what I want. So she kind of goes with Robin, I think in a way to find, to 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 steal that rather than have it authentically come herself um yeah and and then when their relationship falls apart she's alone and crying and and uninteresting you know she's really worried about her future and like she it's like she's never really a part of anything but knows she wants to be and I mean, it's an extreme example, but I think we all have those those things where we know we want something. We want to be special and interesting. We want this love. And rather than find it in ourselves and find out who we are first, it's like, I'll just look this mm-hmm. way. I'll go with that person. I'll do, you know, we're, we're looking in the wrong spots. And I think Jenny's a great example of that. And the example, you know, I think the book brings up a lot about monogamy and relationships and and how we look at them. And I mean, Jenny's been married four times, like, (laughs) so she's been in these monogamous relationships that are standard, you know, you get married and you stay married until that person dies. And like, she still hasn't found herself or found happiness. And, and so I think to me, she's not quite likable, but it's more so because I can see parts of my past or outlook, um, in her and it's not a way that I want to be. So that's why it comes off as unlikable for me at least.
1: I agree. I mean, I think that the way she's described as some of, like, the harshest yes. th- fr- things that I could ever describe someone as. Like, I was <laughs> I was saying, um, like, when I was reading this, I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, if anybody says anything like this about me someday, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. So if myself. you want to know
0: how to just crush Sadie, how to just, like,
1: <laughs> crush her to her core, yeah, compare her to Jenny... Th- Yeah. Read this book and then copy and paste and I will cry and it will be really sad. Like, oh, my God. The part where she talks about how Jenny likes to give gifts and she says to men, she sent books by the dozen. The general feeling was that she was a well-read woman, though she had perhaps read 10 books in her life. Right. And uh, oh, my God. And then another part where. She talks about how you can't intrude upon her because like there's nothing there to right. intrude upon um, and how she cannot participate in a great love. She can only report on it mm-hmm. um, because her emotional reactions were without distinction. She had to fall back on the emotions of the past, great loves that had already lived and related, and over those she seemed to suffer and grow glad. I Oh my God, it's just, it's brutal. And it's funny too, like reading about the author and- reading about the kind of circumstances that she was in when she wrote this. And she says that um, I read an article about it where they quoted her and they said that she wrote this book and she said it was written in blood while the blood was still running. So she Mm -hmm. did this like, will she was angry about a relationship that she had. And I think Jenny is pretty obviously this other woman. Yeah. This relationship that she's, was dealing with because um, I think that rage and that anger and like kind of taking out these judgments on one person um comes out here and I think it, it as an author you know I think that kind of mirrors the same possessiveness I think that Nora yeah. kind of has of um uh, Robin as well
0: Yeah. Well, don't worry, Sadie. I would never describe you in that way. I don't think anyone who knows you would. So I think (laughs) you're safe. But yeah, it's, it's, it's harsh. And um, the, I mean, the book itself is not happy. I mean, Mm -hmm. no one gets a happy ending. Um, No one really finds real happiness or fulfillment. Um, But I think that's kind of the point in a way, like, you know, we talk about things that like you can find happiness if you adhere to these standards you know this is Mm -hmm. the path you need to take and then you will find happiness but there's no way that you can as long as society continues to demand that you have to conform to this this standard this heteronormative standard and there's so many people of all genders and all walks of life that are, are just forced to live a really unfulfilling sad hard life because they don't conform to those standards it's like we're we're setting up for failure you know instead of Mm -hmm. being open to to other ways of life and that it doesn't have to be this or that male or female heteronormative like there's so many Mm -hmm. ways of love and living and being that are and we're preventing ourselves as well as people from from finding this happiness and I think you know the doctor Matthew O'Connor really he's the Greek chorus about that like yes these people in the story are miserable but this isn't just about them like this is a
1: this Mm -hmm. is representative
0: of a of a huge group of people and they're not acknowledged and they have to live in the dark or in the circus or in the shadows and like Mm -hmm. it's almost like a like a maybe that's weird to say now because we're in a pandemic but it's almost like a pandemic of forcing people to be unhappy and not be true to themselves because we're saying that the way to be happy is to fit this standard and he's such a great voice for that that's not it, 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 we're just creating more misery by not being accepting of those who don't fit to what we consider the standard,
1: right? Well, it's, including it's himself, like, including himself, yes. And even though um, he knows
0: all this, like he's so mm-hmm. so aware. Everyone comes to him to talk about Robin and and how much heartache she brings them, and everyone vents to him, and 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 then in the end, he. I mean, he. What is is it a priest? Yeah, it's an ex priest. Yeah, about how how hard it is for him like he can't even really be himself and Mm. it's it's like he's stuck and how much that must be it is it's awful to know what is out there to see the light and just not be able to get to it like that's an awful awful feeling
1: right it's like i don't know i saw a tweet the other day that was interesting and I would have to be fact checked on it or whatever. But it it said something about how prior to like the 1930s or something, they wouldn't, they didn't describe coming out as coming out of the closet. They said it was, they described it as like that act of being yourself is not coming out, it's coming in Mm. to like yourself and into like the gay world and that completely different community where you can be yourself. And I don't know if that's true, but I like that idea of the fact, the idea that like (sighs) these characters and all these people, they shouldn't have to like come out of something. They should be able to come inside and into the people that they already are. And like, well I think it's more internal of, world be their outside yeah. world it's
0: like time. other it's like other people centered versus individual person centered I think and we talk mm-hmm. about coming out versus like inviting people in I think is an interesting concept like yeah and this this novel really does that and I think in in really subtle ways I mean even just when Nora comes to Dr. Matthew O'Connor's home she's invited in and that's where she mm-hmm. sees him in I mean in what we would say drag but that's really him like and he has this long beautiful talk about night and dreams and being who you are and and he has invited her into his home and that's where she sees him for who he is and who he yearns to be but can't present himself to the world as such so when he goes out he's different so yeah I think it's an interesting way to look at it of inviting someone into who you are once you know where that is (laughs) versus right coming out and joining everyone else. Cause really it's not that
1: right. Like I, I love the part where, um, when she sees him, she says she wondered why she was so dismayed to have come upon the doctor at the hour when he was, he had evacuated costume and gone back into his dress. I love like the idea of that being his natural state and the actual costume being is what
0: he presents during the day and to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And with Robin, I think, like, she goes through, maybe not in such a literal sense of a costume, but she goes through different costumes where she keeps trying to fit these different versions of relationships on and see how they work, and then she just can't get it to work. But if maybe she'd been given an opportunity to talk about, like, her desires and her needs... Maybe mm-hmm. in a way that even she can self-identify, because I think she herself struggles to really know what it is she wants because it's so outside of the the norm that she maybe doesn't even have like the language for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I and and you know, with Robin, I think she's the most admirable in that she's the least sure of herself, but she wants to continue to find it you know it's just that Mm -hmm. she can't she wants security but she can't have that security in the standard that she's supposed to you know she could have security with Felix when she marries him but that means she has to be you know this this mother and this heterosexual wife and that's not what she wants and she wants security with Nora but she doesn't want to be um she wants to be able to explore maybe that isn't what I want and be able to come back to it which c- can be frustrating I think for the other person but she mm-hmm. really does want that safety security love but but she's you know a bit self-destructive which we all are and I think when other people look at her a certain way then they're victimized because then she continues to go out and search and find who she is and you know um it, just hard <laughs> I mean everyone seems to be their own worst enemy you know they everyone mm-hmm. wants to they have this idea of who they want to be um but then society makes it hard for them to be who they are and who they want to be and even to find yourself and to be able to explore that you know it's we're, we're big on that too what are you what's your label stick with it mm-hmm. you know so it's like well crap when do I have to figure this out like, when right. do I have to be able to say, okay, this is who I am and I have to stick with it? Like, that's a lot of pressure. And it I is. think that's part and of what Robin struggles against.
1: And it also, like, that runs under the assumption, too, that what you are at one point is never going to change. Like, especially with gender, I think. And mm-hmm. I think that happens with Robin a lot, too, is is that I think it's, it's more fluid than people give it credit for. Like, sure, maybe... One week she identifies more with that boyish kind of side of her. And then the next week, just as valid, she flips the switch a little bit and she wants to be more of that like traditional kind of relationship or in a traditional relationship. And both are valid. Like, I just don't think that there, I think that there are some people who never really like find one label that fits them. Well,
0: and I think that it makes the point that we're also shaped a lot by other people. Like it's not like you, you know, who you are and how you identify is also shaped by your environment, right? And by the other Mm -hmm. people you surround yourself by. And and I think think that's sometimes where relationships have struggle is you're going to evolve and change based on the people you're around. And I think sometimes we expect people to fit a mold that, they fit when we met them or we want them in and of course those things are going to change because they are and we are and that I mean we shape each other Mm -hmm. and being more open to that is I think healthier (laughs) but we're maybe not necessarily as open to that as a society it's like yep this is who you are you stick with it of course Mm -hmm. we're going to evolve and change and it's going to be by having those relationships and those interactions you know I mean that's we're social creatures and we create change through that. And I think that being more okay with that and having that be accepted is, is going to create healthier people. Um, and I think that the the novel shows that when we're not doing that, it, it does create some, some unhealthy relationships and unhealthy people. And none of them have this happy ending because they never really get that either by society or by the people that they're in relationships with. I mean, even though Robin and um, Nora kind of technically end up, together. Right. In a way they're not. And at the end, Robin basically collapses in exhaustion from trying to be a dog. But I think it's more of just collapsing. And how I interpreted it is she's she's exhausted from trying to be something or someone that she's not to Mm. please other people and to make it easier. And you just can't keep that up. And what a hard, hard life that is and must be to to constantly pretend to be something that you're not because you're not allowed to be, or you don't feel like you can be like, I just have such, such empathy for that for people. And I certainly want to make sure that my kids at least know that it's okay to just be who you are. And that can change. Like you can continue to evolve and grow and you do not have to be the same person Mm -hmm. now that you were 20 years ago. And that is okay. Like as long as you continue to try and be better and grow and what does that mean? And you know, right.
1: That that's probably a much healthier way for you to be. I agree completely. I really enjoyed this book again. Like I think you can't really look at it for like an answer or you can't look at it for a plot or a traditional story, but I think you can look at this and find people that you relate to that maybe you never thought you would have related to before Ah. and um, I think it's good at, at really making people or the reader I think realize that we're all just struggling with things and relationships are hard and trying to figure yourself out and this kind of society is extremely difficult and it's it's just better to, I think, have empathy for everybody in their situations and try to be as accepting as you can and like as flexible yeah. as you kind of can with people.
0: It's a great novel. I love in the edition that we both have um, Jeanette Winterson. She's an English author. The only book I've read of hers is Stone Gods. Oranges are not the only fruit. And she it's, um, or it's just oranges are not the only fruit. She has another book called Stone Gods, and it's kind of a novel about someone rebelling against, against convention, so mm-hmm. kind of similar ideas. And she says in kind of her preface to the novel, um, she says, There is pain in who we are and the pain of love, because love itself is an opening and a wound, which I love, is a pain no one escapes except by escaping life itself. Nightwood is not an escape text. It writes into the center of human anguish, unrelieved but in its dignity and its defiance it becomes by strange alchemy its own solve Uh, and then she quotes from the novel is there such extraordinary need of misery to make beauty asks the doctor but the answer is already written yes Mm -hmm. and I think she really kind of captures that the essence of it in that I mean T.S. Eliot of course also does a great introduction talking about the novel but just that idea of it it's gonna like he says that you read it more than once and um you know it it says something different each time which most great literature does but that it you just kind of have to let it wash over you yeah, you know and and, and it yeah mm-hmm. and the, like the and way it's gonna that going to be different it, each time
1: yeah and like the way that it'll it'll affect you you might not figure out until like months after you've read it you know i loved the fact that he says like the work that this book does is like under the surface and it's done after yeah. you read it and it's and it's unconscious it's these like unconscious kind of this this unconscious Just kind of percolates under the surface that there. It has. yeah yeah and i i think that's definitely true i can't wait to reread this in a few yeah. years hopefully and see how um my perspective has changed or changes as i read it again
0: yeah, it was a great pick. I, I'll be honest, like when you I first started reading, I'm like, oh God, what am I in for, right? But like, you <laughs> yeah. kind of just have to have to un um, unhinge yourself from, okay, where's the plot? What's going on here? Where's my, like, you know, putting everything in order, which is great for me personally. I like to be very linear and I try to be very Same. logical. I admire that very much. And so I almost force that onto some things. And this book's great because it really lets you just kind of, immerse yourself in in language and thought and discussion and a world and, and makes you question and and that's so important and I certainly don't do it enough and so I love when I can find something that does that for me and just just immerse yourself in it it's great so good good pick, yeah. Sadie, for sure thank you thank yeah. you yeah I hope I hope uh, some of you read it and enjoyed it as well <laughs> or if you hadn't you will now want to read it after listening to us because it really is Um, an awesome book weird as hell which is great too and and just the prose is so good I mean it's so poetic and lyrical and so even if you don't understand what's going on it sounded great
1: (laughs) yeah and even if it's again it's difficult to figure out what's going on linearly like I think it's easy enough to follow along and read and even in just paragraph by paragraph, mm-hmm. um, it's really beautiful and I think is easy in that sense to enjoy. Yes, for sure.
0: Um, was there anything else that you wanted to
1: cover? Um, I think we pretty much covered it, but I will just read one of my favorite passages just to kind of point out, I think. Oh, let's the both way do that because this yeah. book is so great about that. OK, so you go first. Okay. So I'm going to pick from the go down Matthew chapter. Okay. And Matthew says once in the war, I saw a dead horse that had been lying long against the ground. Time and the birds and its own last concentration had removed the body a great way from the head. As I looked upon that head, my memory weighed for the lost body. And because of that missing quantity, even heavier hung that head along the ground. So love, when it has gone, taking time with it, leaves a memory of its weight. Um, I thought that was just a really beautiful way of describing love and, and loss and kind of the the way that life kind of comes at you and stays with you. And sometimes that means that there's space that's empty kind of that you notice but i just thought that was a really beautiful way of talking about it yeah and i, I agree. love the That's a great metaphor passage. with the horse and everything i think is just really stunning
0: yeah um i think i mean there's so many one of my favorites is from um the chapter watchman one of the night and it's mm-hmm. after nora has come to um dr matthew o'connor's home and she's seen him in his um what's kind of described as his costume, but it's really how he is, you know, he's wearing a wig and makeup and women's clothes. And um, I'll start it where he says, the doctor said, you can see, or you see that you can ask me anything, thus laying aside both their embarrassments, which I think I love that it starts this way. Cause I think that's how mm. we really discover, like we need to be able to talk and ask questions and not hide or be ashamed or even be ashamed to ask. Um, mm, so great. I think that that's a great part in there. But then um, she said to herself, is not the gown the natural um, raiment of extremity? What nation, what religion, what ghost, what dream has not worn it? Infants, angels, priests, the dead. Why should not the doctor in the grave dilemma of his alchemy wear his dress? She thought he dresses to lie beside himself, who is so constructed that love for him can be only something special in a room that giving back evidence of his occupancy is as mauled as the last agony. Have you ever mm-hmm. thought of the night the doctor inquired with a little irony? He was extremely put out, having expected someone else, though his favorite topic and one which he talked on whenever he had a chance was the night. Yes, said Nora and sat down on the only chair. I've thought of it, but thinking about something you know something about does not help. Have you, said the doctor, ever thought of the peculiar polarity of times and times and of sleep? Sleep, the slain white bull. While I, Dr. Matthew, mighty grain of salt, Dante O'Connor will tell you how the day and the night are related by their division. The very constitution of twilight is a fabulous reconstruction of fear. Fear bottom out and wrong side up. Every day is thought upon and calculated, but the night is not premeditated. The Bible lies the one way, but the night gown the other. The night beware of that dark door. And I think he just... Mm -hmm. Night is such a big part of this novel and theme, and I just love how he talks about it and just they're having this conversation but not really having a conversation you know they're really just talking to themselves which happens a lot with people we think we're actually conversing with each other and we're not we're conversing Mm -hmm. with ourselves through other people and there's a lot of that I think in the novel and I think that was a great example of it that's one of my favorite parts
1: me too I loved it well kudos Sadie good pick you just keep getting better
0: Well, so again, everyone, if you haven't, um, please read Nightwood. It was great. It's not a long read. Just immerse yourself in this lovely, weird world. Um, Mm -hmm. And then pick up a copy of Persepolis, The Story of a Childhood by Marjane Satrapi, books one and two. We'll be doing um, the first book our next episode. Um, So hopefully you all have a chance. It should be a pretty quick, nice graphic novel read. So hopefully you all can participate. So thanks, everybody.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye mm mm-hmm.